Well, hey, good morning. I am coming to you from my kitchen from quarantine after some COVID exposure, probably the most fitting way to start 2021. But I am so grateful for the wonders of technology that allow me to be able to preach with you this morning. In fact, some of you know this, but over three quarters of our congregation at CPC has continued to regularly worship online. And so for many of you, it will be on the screen regardless. And for those of you who are in the sanctuary, thanks for, for bearing with this uh, sermon on a screen this morning. But I'm so grateful that technology allows me to kick off this series that I'm incredibly excited about and also to not dump this sermon on someone else at the very last minute. And so uh, thank you for bearing with me. I'm so excited to kick off uh, our new sermon series this morning. Now, several years ago, a friend invited me uh, to come and help him move. And it's one of those things where he had helped our family move houses, and so I couldn't say no. So one Saturday morning, I found myself at his house with several other friends. We're starting to pack up and move his stuff, and he kept saying things like, my friend Jason is coming in a little bit, and he's really strong. Let's wait on Jason to move the heavy stuff. And at first, I remember thinking, that's a brilliant idea. Like, let's let someone else handle the heavy stuff. But then he said it so much that it almost started to make me feel insecure. Like, well, am I not strong enough to carry the couch or the TV? Do we have to really wait for Jason? But he kept saying, let's wait for him. He's really strong. And then he showed up and he was a normal guy. I mean, I was expecting a Dallas Cowboy football player or Fabio or some bodybuilder. Instead, he was a normal dude just like me, uh, and I was a little offended. Like, we've been, we've been waiting on this guy to carry this heavy stuff this whole time. Like, this is the strong man we've been waiting for. And I wonder if that's how we see Jesus sometimes. Is he really the strong one we've been waiting on? Is he really powerful and capable of handling the stuff that life throws our way? And in this series, what we want to do is explore the ways that Jesus steps into the difficulties, the frustrations, the hardships, the, the hopes, the longings of people's lives and shows that he is stronger than anything else that the world might offer them or throw their way. And so we're going to look at Jesus and his strength for our world and for our lives. But today, here's where we're going to start. True strength comes from dependence upon something stronger. True strength comes from dependence upon something stronger. So we're often told that we'll be strong when we can do it on our own. We're told that strength is about independence, that we must do it ourselves, that we must try harder, that we must muster up more strength. That's especially true this time of year, right? Go out and reinvent yourself. There's a, it's a new year, new you, try harder. This is the year we're finally gonna get it done. We're gonna work hard, we're gonna be stronger, we're gonna make something better of ourselves. How's that working for you? How did it work last year? How did it work the year before? Perhaps we'll see that Jesus shows us a better way. Because in this series, 
will go on to talk about how Jesus offers us something stronger than her own self-deception, self-reliance, even self-destruction. Because we're going to see something about Jesus' strength that we've probably overlooked, that Jesus' strength comes not through independence, but through dependence. Even Jesus finds his strength through dependence. At Christmas, we gave out these Mark Journal Bibles. If you have one, we'd love for you to grab it. If you don't, any Bible that you have in your house would be perfectly fine, or Bible on your phone. But in this series, I encourage you to have a Bible or a journal, a notebook, something to make notes on, because I'm going to walk through this text with you, and we want to spend time intentionally looking at the Gospel of Mark and learning about Jesus, and want to make it a little interactive. So would encourage you to have a Bible on you in the coming weeks as well. But you know, what's, what's unique about Mark as a gospel book is that it's short and it's fast-paced and punchy. So there are four gospel books in the Bible. Three of them, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are what are called synoptics. And that just means that they follow a parallel track. They follow a similar synopsis. John is a completely sort of different angle on Jesus's life, but the first three gospels sort of follow the story in a similar way. And so Mark is one of those three, but it's by far the shortest. We believe the earliest of the gospels and it, it's very short and punchy. And you'll see that, that even the stories you're going to look at today are shorter than they are if you were to read Matthew or Luke's gospels versions of these stories. But we're picking up in Mark chapter one, verse seven. So I would encourage you to find a Bible, Mark chapter 1, verse 7. And, and it actually begins not with Jesus, but with a guy called John the Baptist. And what you need to know about John the Baptist is he's this Israelite man who is a prophet. And he's out in the wilderness at the Jordan River. He's been, he has this ministry where he's baptizing people. But what you need to know about him is he's been preparing people for Jesus. That's what John has been doing, preparing people for the coming of Jesus. And therefore, we pick it up in verse 7. And he, John the Baptist, preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I. I want you to circle the word mightier, underline the word mightier, the word, just like the word stronger. He is stronger than I. The strap of those whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit, meaning he will give you something more than water. He will actually give you the power of God. He will give you the strength of God. So let's stop there. Out beside this text, I want you to write down the phrase, strength comes from dependence. Strength comes from dependence. So John introduces to us the central character of this book. He introduces to us the one who is mightier, the one who is stronger. And, and what John is saying is, here comes the one you need to follow. Here comes the one who will lead you to your destiny, who is strong enough, mighty enough to take you places that only he can take you. He is the one to challenge the rule 
of brokenness and darkness and sin in your life and in the world. He is strong enough to lead you through anything that life might throw your way. But in a story, when you're introducing someone as the central figure who is powerful and mighty and capable, you often will start by listing their credentials. And that's essentially what Mark then does. So let's pick back up in the text. What are Jesus' credentials? Verse 9. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. So let's pause right there. Out beside this text, the baptism of Jesus, I want you to write the word credentials. That these are Jesus's credentials. So Mark's short, punchy version of Jesus' baptism story is primarily to show us that Jesus identifies with God, that Jesus identifies as God's son and therefore as dependent upon God the Father. Now, our best understanding of this is this is actually a private moment, that this is where Jesus himself is connecting with God, and God is affirming, you are my chosen son. You are the one who has the power because you are connected to me. So what is Jesus's primary credential to be the strong, powerful one the world needs? His primary credential is he's with God. He is with God. And that's his primary strength. That's his primary source, his dependency upon God the Father, that he only does what he sees the Father doing, that he only uh, operates out of his relationship, his dependency upon God, that even Jesus names that he needs God. So that's his credential. And then He goes on to tell us more about what makes Jesus fit for this role. So let's pick up in verse 12 of Mark chapter 1. The Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. And he was with wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. So stop there. Out beside this text, I want you to write the word ordeal. Write the word ordeal. So there's a literary concept known as an ordeal, or we might say trial by fire. And this happens in a lot of ancient and modern literature, where when you're telling the story of a character, especially a hero-type character, that you would, you would show the, the, the credentials that they've actually been through, the hard stuff, that they might give courage and hope for anyone else who's going through hard stuff. You can think about Odysseus, or you can think about Frodo in The Lord of the Rings, or Anakin Skywalker in Star Wars, or even Peter Parker in Spider-Man going through an ordeal, through a trial by fire. And the point of the ordeal is to confront pain and suffering, that, that, there, that the authority of the character comes from being pushed to the brink and coming back 
victorious, coming back stronger for having gone to the brink. Now, Jesus's ordeal story is a little unique because Mark tells us that he stays in the wilderness for 40 days. Now, the wilderness, and he names the wild beasts, like these are symbols of sort of the, the, the edge of chaos. This is, where, this is where darkness lies. And so it's sort of saying Jesus is out in the darkness on purpose because the Spirit took him there and he stays there 40 days. And that number is not unintentional, that there are several stories of 40 days uh, in the Old Testament, but particularly think about the, the Israelites wandering in the desert for 40 years. And so Jesus is sort of reliving the experience of Israel's most broken, dark struggles with who God is and their identity in God, that Jesus is reliving it, that he's facing their brokenness. In fact, he's facing our brokenness to show that he is capable of overcoming it, that he gets pushed to the brink in pain and suffering. He goes through the ordeal and he comes out the other side victorious. But what Mark's version of this story really wants you to see is that he comes out victorious because the Holy Spirit and the angels are with him, that he is dependent upon God and that his dependency upon God makes him strong enough to face anything that the world might throw his way and therefore he can be our strength. So Jesus overcomes the ordeal through his dependency upon God, not through any sort of crafty cleverness of his own, but through dependency. And so he is the character, the hero, the strong one who will lead us. But what is this message that he has for us? What is the character's main message? So the last thing I want to look at with you is in John 1, or sorry, Mark 1, 14 and 15. This is Jesus's message. It says, now after John was arrested, so John the Baptist gets arrested uh, as a part of the story, but but Mark quickly moves past it and says, after that happened, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel, the good news of God, and saying, this, and this is Jesus' gospel message, right? The time is fulfilled. The time is here. And the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So I want you to do a few things. I want you to circle at hand. And I want you to underline, repent, and believe. Circle at hand and underline, repent, and believe. What Jesus is saying is the kingdom of God, this thing that God wants to do in our lives and in the world, and especially in Israel's life at this time, it's near. It's ready. It's here. It's at hand. Let's go. And the good news, the gospel, is that Jesus is here to make a way for us, to make a way for us to get into God's kingdom, to get in on what God wants to do in our lives, that we have a way to strength, but that that way is through dependence, right? He says, repent and believe. Friends, repent and believe is not the same as be stronger, as muster up enough strength. To repent and believe is not to make ourselves stronger. It is to depend on the strength of Jesus, to depend upon the one who goes to the cross 
and dies on our behalf so that our sin would not stand in the way of our relationship with God. Jesus identifies with us in our weakness. He becomes human. He goes through what we go through so that he might be strong for his dependence upon God and so that we might know his strength through our dependence and reliance upon Jesus. Repent and believe. Where are you trying to muster up more strength? Where are you tempted to prove how strong you are? Where do you need to repent and believe? Repent means to turn around and to go a new way. Believe means to trust or depend. Where do you need to go in the direction to turn and to trust and to grow in your dependence upon Jesus? Where do you need to repent and believe? To believe in the one who identifies with us in our weakness that we might know his strength. What? We all need this. I need this. You need this. We need to grow in our dependence upon the strength of Jesus rather than trying to prove how strong we are. One of the disappointing things of the past year is the amount of failure that I've seen in the pastoral world. The amount of especially uh, well-known, you might even say celebrity pastors and religious leaders who have fallen from grace, who have had scandals of all kinds. And I think it's tempting to like wag our heads at it and go, oh, just a few bad apples. But I don't wag my head at it. And no, it, it actually scares me. It scares me because I wonder how in the world have we created a church culture where you can be strong and famous and applauded and yet not be dependent one bit upon Jesus? How have we built that kind of a culture in our churches? And may it not be so in us. May we not build our lives and our identity or even our churches upon our own strength. But may we learn what it looks like to build our lives and our churches and our, and our world upon dependence upon Jesus. That, that we know that true strength comes through dependence upon something stronger. Let us not try over and over to prove how good we are, how strong we are. Because when we try to prove how strong we are, we're actually moving further and further from dependence upon Jesus. If you hear nothing else this morning, if you hear nothing else, I want you to hear this. Jesus shows us that strength comes through dependence. Jesus shows us that strength comes through dependence. In our weakness, Jesus will be strong enough for us. We don't have to show how strong we are. In our weakness, Jesus will be strong enough for us. The path to face the obstacles, the things that life throws at us and puts in our way and offers us, the things of the world are not as strong as Jesus. And if you want to face them, go through them, get through them, it will only come through dependence upon the strength of Jesus, dependence upon something stronger. If we want a stronger faith, 
a stronger relationship with God, it will not come through making ourselves stronger, but growing in our dependence upon the strength of Jesus. Amen.